Welcome to Cherry Beckert's GovCom podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Eric Poppy. I'm a director in our government contract industry group. And with me today is Neil Bagan, a partner in our risk advisory group. And Neil, we're at it again. We're talking about CMMC. Actually, we're still talking about CMMC. And I know we have the full crew here for our, uh, you know, our CMMC expert team here at Cherry Beckert. So welcome. Thanks for having me, Pop. And, and yes, we're going to do things a little different. As you mentioned, uh, we are still talking about CMMC, which is a good thing. And some of the things we're going to talk about today, we think are long overdue. But I wanted to bring in kind of the uh, the, the special forces into this uh, aspect of the of, of the podcast. So I want to introduce the audience to two folks. Uh, Matt Scavone is uh, managing director in our information and cybersecurity practice. And he's joined today by Brian Kirk, a senior manager in the same practice, many of whom will know Brian from being out in the market with CMMC alongside myself and others for the past two years. So wanted to welcome both Matt and Brian to the podcast today, too. Yeah, thanks, Neil. It's great to be here. Yeah, likewise. Brian, Matt, thanks for joining us. Um, and, you know, to start us off, Neil, do you mind just giving us the current state of the union for CMMC? You know, where are we at? What's going on? You know, I will, Pop. I've got no problem doing that, but but I'm going to steal a little thunder here for a second because this is so long overdue. I feel like, you know, singing praises from the hilltops at this point that uh, Cherry Brecker recently underwent our own review, which we'll unpack here in a little bit. But we are now a, a certified uh, third-party assessment organization, a C3PO, that we have been talking about in our prior podcast series uh, really for, for the better part of two years. So uh, a huge milestone that was achieved. I didn't want to uh, glance over it too quickly at the beginning of this podcast or wait to tuck it in later. So at least gonna lead with that because uh, it's a huge pat on the back to many of the folks on this podcast and others in and around Cherry Record that have been a part of the process. So at least wanted to start with that. Now, kind of giving a pause for the, the standing ovation that just happened, Pop, I'll, I'll jump into your, your question, which is, kind of general state of the union of CMMC and where we are. Uh, first and foremost, CMMC is moving along at full speed, despite what uh, folks may think, despite what uh, you know has, has seemed to quiet down in the news. It, it wasn't too long ago where you were reading articles about you know lawsuits or pending lawsuits or accusations or uh, you know different rules being issued in, in, in different states uh, almost on, on a daily basis. Um, while things have quieted down on the drama and maybe the, the, the news coverage front, the, uh, the program itself is still moving along at full speed. In fact, uh, just recently, uh, this past month, um, on November 9th, the Cyber AB, which, uh, again, for those of, that have attended our podcast and learned about all the players is the, um, you know, accreditation body overseeing the program and liaising between industry and DOD. They actually held their first sponsored event ever. Uh, since the uh, since since the impetus of CMMC, which was called uh, Washington Technologies 2022 uh, CMC 2.0 Ecosystem Summit, and you notice the 2.0 again for those that have uh, attended any of our previous podcasts and heard about kind of the maturation of CMMC from inception to what was dubbed loosely as 1.0 to now 2.0. That's really where we are now um, in terms of kind of second large scale iteration of the program, some of which uh, we will talk about today, and some of which you can hear about by uh, tuning into previous podcasts and kind of the development of, of this program. But the summit that they held, you know, it, it provided a lot of good insights uh, into the current state of CMMC, status of the final rule, which we're going to talk about, 
um, as well as the joint surveillance program, which will be a bulk of, of this podcast. It was great to see you know, current clients uh, and, and prospects and folks that we've been talking to for the last couple of years um, and get together in person at that event. It was extremely well attended and, um, and, and definitely well received. And so one of the things that is very important about where we are in terms of current state of CMMC and in, in this uh, 2.0, as I mentioned, is that we are still waiting for the final rule to pass. And until then, uh, CMMC requirements cannot be enforced in contracts. And there's been a lot of talk about that. So we thought we would uh, you know, touch on that at the beginning of this podcast in terms of where we are um, until this rule is, is passed and final. So with that, I am gonna turn it over to Brian Kirk, who I introduced earlier and, and, and ask, Brian, can you kind of touch on where we are in, in the status and timeline of this final rule that everybody is waiting on? Yeah, certainly. Um, and so for the, the status of the final rule, so the, the DFARS clause 252.204.7021, or better known as the CMMC clause, that is still under review. Um, and so this is essentially the clause that will be requiring CMMC certification. And so um, currently it's in adjudication within their DOD, uh, within the various departments within their DOD. Um, on the most recent Cyber AB Town Hall um, at the end of October that Matt Travis um, leads each, each month, uh, he provided an update on the rulemaking process um, during that town hall. And, you know, it's important to note that, you know, Matt doesn't know um, exactly, and nobody does, what the current status is of the adjudication process within their DOD. Um, you know, but there's, there's always rumors and, 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 word, and you know, word in the street that, that's coming out from that. Um, and so Matt, during his most recent uh, town hall that he provided, mentioned that the word on the street is that the DOD is close to agreeing a draft rule. Um, but until then, compliance and, and full implementation of the 7012 DFARS clause, uh, which has been in place for a while now, is still sufficient. Um, our best guess is that we won't see CMC clause in contracts for another five to six months. Um, and, it, and it certainly won't be in contracts until that final rule is is passed. So, Brian, I know that you and I have talked uh, you know, a few times about and clients have reached out and different companies have reached out about, like, hey, we're getting these clauses about this cybersecurity requirement or that cybersecurity requirement or this framework in our contracts. And we've had to go and look at the contracts and the terms and conditions. So can you just touch on touch real quick on what are we what are you seeing in contracts and what are you know just. Yeah, what what are we seeing in contracts? Yeah, great question, Poppy. Um, and so, you know, the the kind of the, the inquiries that we receive from clients, you know, just take a look at, at some of the contracts and, and seeing if there are any, um, you know, CMC requirements currently within those contracts. Um, you know, what we're seeing now is, is kind of what we expected to see. Um, you know, we still see the old DFARS clause 7012 um, that required you to, to self-assess um, and submit your scores to the SPURS system. We're still seeing those requirements uh, within the contracts. We, we've yet to see, and as I mentioned, because the final rule has not been passed, we've yet to see any CMC requirements uh, within contracts. Now, if you're a subcontractor though, that doesn't mean you may have a prime contractor that's insisting on you uh, to, be, to conform with CMMC. And, and they're within the right to do that as a prime contractor. So as a subcontractor, it's possible that you, those requirements may be being pushed down from your prime from your prime contractor. But contracts that are being issued currently um, by the DoD do not have the CMC clause. You know, if I was a betting man, 
you currently have that DFARS 7012 clause in one of your contracts, I bet chances are pretty good that when it's renewed, there will probably be a requirement for a CMMC certification. I think you're right, Poppy. So, so with that, Neil, you know, we're now a, a C3 PAO. Can you just unpack, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, where do we go from here? Well, first off, Pop, it's no secret. It means that we're awesome. Um, not that we weren't awesome before, but it's just been um, absolutely validated by a third party at this point that we are awesome and even more so awesome in the CMMC space. Uh, in all seriousness, though, you know, as we've talked about on previous podcasts and, and uh, the numerous presentations that we've done, a C3PAO um, is, again, a certified third party assessment organization. These are uh, companies that have been certified and are therefore authorized to conduct uh, assessments for CMMC. Now, what it means in the meantime, though, as Brian uh, just talked about the, the final rule um, not being in place, so therefore there aren't actual assessments for certification going on, what they're doing is what's called a joint surveillance assessment program. And the joint portion of that is because it's in uh, collaboration with the um, the DCMA's audit arm, which is called DIBCAC. Um, and so these are voluntary assessments. They will look, feel, smell, uh, and act exactly like a CMMC assessment. But since they are, um, you know, the rule is not final, um, they don't result in certification. It would convert to a certification once the rule is final. Um, and so, again, a C3PAO are the only organizations that can not only conduct uh, what are called these joint surveillance assessments in the meantime, they will be the only ones authorized to conduct CMMC assessments when the once the rule goes final on behalf of uh, folks in the DIP, these what we call organizations seeking certification. So what do you have to go through for this? Well, it's interesting because um, quite frankly, it, it's um, almost a you know, cobbler's shoes situation. We had to go through our own audit. Um, we had to go through, in essence, our own CMMC level two audit. Uh, which again, because the rule is not final, um, was essentially an audit performed by the DIPCAC. Again, that's the audit arm of the DCMA, where they assessed us against the same level two requirements that ultimately we will assess our clients for, right? Uh, in terms of the CMMC requirements that our clients will look to achieve, um, whether it be during this joint surveillance uh, time period or ultimately in assessments um, to undergo essentially what is a level two assessment. So we went through and had to demonstrate the same um, uh, level of compliance. Um, we decided to do kind of our, in terms of how we scope, and we've been helping many, many of our clients scope over the last few years. We went uh, and decided to do a out uh, of an on in our environment for which we will provision our CMMC services out. So, for example, we'll have access to this environment, whereas maybe uh, UPOP won't because of the fact that uh, you will not be conducting CMMC assessments um, versus all of the other work that you do for our government contracting community. Um, so I'm going to ask Matt here in a second to touch on some of the um, pitfalls that 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 not only we um, were, were privy to firsthand by going through our assessment, but that we have uh, been talking about with our clients and prospects um, in, in here in just a few minutes. Um, the other thing is, you know, remediation has, has been a huge topic 
Uh, you've uh, you know heard for years with CMMC 1.0 this concept of pass fail. We know that now not to be true, especially with 2.0 that came out and and, and decided as much. Um, so companies and ourselves included had an opportunity to address minor deficiencies, um, and, and so that actually paused where we were in our assessment. But we were able to um, tighten things up on our end and working with DIBCAC uh, to the point where uh, we were able to limit access. Uh, to third parties and so forth to CUI, um, which ultimately um, was what was needed for us to receive our C3PAO um, designation. Um, the other thing is I, I talked about the use of, of service providers and third parties as it relates to us, Cherry Becker, uh, undergoing our own assessment. That is something that every client that we've helped with the last two years has or is in the process of addressing. Um, and you, you've heard about the FedRAMP um, equivalency or utilizing a FedRAMP moderate cloud. This is not only um, for cloud providers, but has also stretched to other service providers. Um, and it all depends on how your assessment is scoped. And, and again, not going to unpack how to assess, uh, excuse me, how to scope an assessment during this podcast um, because that has been covered in previous ones. So shameless plug again to ask you to rewind here um, if, if any of that information is needed. But what we did thought, uh, think about for today was kind of lessons learned, common pitfalls that organizations that are uh, getting ready to undergo um, any of these types of assessments uh, in the joint surveillance program, for example, what they may want to look out for. So with that, I wanted to turn it over to Matt, who was introduced earlier, to kind of touch on, uh, again, some of the lessons learn slash um, potential common pitfalls for folks to be aware of. Matt? Yeah, so two things that we've seen and that have been corroborated through the joint surveillance takeaways include really two things, proper, improper scoping and lack of preparedness. Um, from the standpoint of improper scoping, think about the business perspective. As Neil mentioned, we decided to carve an enclave out, but what systems are responsible for processing, transmitting, storing CUI? The scope of these systems and CMMC requirements should be limited to these systems alone. So establish clear boundaries and um, perhaps that enclave to help define the scope and reduce CMMC requirements from creeping into other parts. Um, furthermore, I would include, as Neil mentioned, failing to properly consider your service organizations especially the cloud service providers that will require FedRAMP moderate equivalency. So are your cloud service providers able to meet these demands? And how do other service organizations that you use, Im use impact your CMMC requirements? Secondly, lack of preparedness. Ensure your team and your documentation can withstand the scrutiny of independent assessors. Uh, prior to executing the assessment, test your preparedness. You've probably gone through a gap assessment May, that may not necessarily prepare you for that scrutiny that, that I just mentioned. Take it one step further, go through a mock audit. Um, and of course, during the assessment, you can expect additional emphasis on media protection that goes for print, email, and removable media. So spend some time there. And of course, don't forget about physical security. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for walking through those pitfalls. You know, and I know we're bumping up on time here. So Neil, I'm going to turn it back over to you. And to close this out, can you just walk through next steps on what a company should be looking for and what for what sh everyone should expect? Yeah, sure thing, Bob. And I 
think I, I really want to hone in on this, um, you know, joint surveillance voluntary assessment program, which is really what's going on now in terms of next steps. We did talk about final rule and what we are perceiving to be next steps in terms of timeline of once the rule goes final and actual assessments occur for certification. But in the meantime, just to reiterate, you know, the DCMA through its DIBCAC, uh, you know, which is their audit arm, uh, is able to accommodate voluntary assessments uh, for companies in the DIB that have implemented NIST 800-171. This is not a exercise of, oh, let me just see if I'm ready and, and sign up to, to, to go through this joint surveillance program. Um, these are for folks that have been actively preparing. They want to be early adopters and have their assessments done by a C3 PAO, which again will work jointly with with those with, alongside the DIBCAC assessors. And these DIBCAC assessors are the same ones that audited the Cherry Records of the World and the other C3 PAOs. Um, so they are very familiar with the process. Uh, if that is the case, if you are listening to this podcast and you are thinking, I want to be in that category as, you know, again, um, somebody in the DIB, an organization seeking certification, to, to use another acronym, the OSCs that you've heard about. If you are an OSC with a desire to be considered for this program, you would need to reach out to a C3PO. Would love it to be Cherry Beckard, obviously, and uh, get your name added to a list. Um, the C3PAO will submit contact information for the OSC uh, and, and the program um, by way of filling out a template and providing it um, to the DIBCAC. And they, the DIBCAC is actually responsible for not only maintaining the queue of who is to go through the assessment program, they have a, a limited number of, of resources um, you know, working on this program, so not everyone will be accepted right away. Oftentimes there's a queue. But there is some thought that that there will be some prioritization here in terms of your current contracts and so forth. Um, and, and because this is a joint program, you will actually engage through uh, DIPCAC um, for for part of the assessment. There is no charge for them to um, work alongside a C3PAO, but you would separately uh, engage with with a C3PAO during this joint surveillance uh, program. Not to not to beat a dead horse here, but again, since CMMC 2.0 won't officially exist until the rulemaking is finished, we we can't call this joint surveillance assessment uh, a certification. Rather, it won't end uh, or or uh, result in a certification. Um, it will convert to a certification once the rule is final. But in the meantime, it will result in what's called a DIPCAC high assessment for NIST 800-171 and Again, for anybody that's uh, you know up on the matter or has listened to our podcast, the scope of CMMC 2.0 now encompasses all of 800-171 and 800-171 only, um, and therefore that's what this DIBCAC high assessment uh, will, will result in is uh, an assessment of 800-171, which again will ultimately convert to a certification uh, once rulemaking is final. Thank you, Neil, for walking us through that. So I know that's all the time we have today. So Brian, Matt, Neil, thank you for joining us on today's GovCom podcast. You know, I do ask that everyone listening in, please subscribe to the GovCom podcast on however you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and please reach out if you have any questions on CMMC, um, you know, basic cyber frameworks or anything else from a IT cyber perspective or government contracting. And we appreciate everyone joining us and please join us again for our next podcast.